What's up, guys? Good day, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the Map Life Podcast, Season 2. I'm so happy about that. I am your host, Simon Williams, the founder and high performance mindset coach at Motivation and Performance Partners. We grow great athletes, incredible talent in our Talent Ascension program, which you'll find out more after the show if you don't know about it already. But for now, let's get ready for an action-packed episode with this incredible guest. There's none better this season than who you're about to hear from. Again, it's imperative that we offer you strategies to implement into your own life so that you can feel more, achieve more, taste more success, and become more of who you are. And again, in this episode, you're going to get some of the greatest insights and tools that you've ever heard. So with that, let's get into it. Okay, guys and girls, on today's podcast, we have one of my greatest friends, happiness expert, Evan Sutter. He's an author of three books. He's uh, a speaker in huge events that have included the Dalai Lama, Matao Ricard, Happiness and Its Causes. He's a humanist, a social entrepreneur, and as I said, an author of one of the greatest books that I've seen in a long time. It is called Awake, and it is available for pre-order at the moment on Amazon and a bunch of other bookstores in Australia in the US, in the UK, have picked it up and they're running with it, so it's going to be great. We're talking a lot about that today because it's a tool that I believe everyone should have a copy of it on their coffee table, in their top drawer, carrying it around with it to the cafe and just really putting in the work. It is incredible. And again, because he's put a lot of work and time and effort and attention into this and intention based on his as I said, expertise in the areas of happiness, vision, transition, mission. Now, we also discuss in this episode the power of boldness, bravery, aliveness, and the four pillars of aliveness, exploration, awareness, meaning, presence. We offer an insight into Hapsley, and Ev delivers one of the greatest things that I've ever heard, which is his eight foundational stages in order to achieve happiness. It's something you do not want to miss. As we're going to action at the end of this episode, if you comment on the post on Instagram of Evan's episode, what we're going to do is we're going to draw a winner of a copy of Awake. So not only will you go in the draw for the epic prize pack at the end of the season, you go into the draw to win a copy of Awake free to you, being posted to you, so you can activate your aliveness and your chance at happiness and a happier future. I can't wait to deliver this episode to you. So here it is. Take it away, my brother, Evan Sutter. All right. This is fantastic. I may have had a conversation with this man many, many times in my life, but none more important than today. I'm sitting here with my one of my best mates, I would say, a speaker who shared the stage with the Dalai Lama, Matao Ricard, Happiness and its causes on the stages in Montreal, Copenhagen. He's a humanist, social entrepreneur, uh, an author of three books, and the latest we're going to be talking about very shortly. Um, but here he is, my great friend, Evan Sutter. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Wonderful introduction. So, um, yeah, um, as you said, 
great friends and we've had these discussions many, many times over many years and they've always been, you know, pretty enriching. So hopefully today, um, yeah, we can do that again. Yeah, and I'm, I'm guarantee the audience that if you uh, listen up closely, you'll be extracting some of the absolute gold from this man. He's been on a, a serious life journey. His transition has been one for the ages and something that we'll get into today as well. Um, was there anything off that list that I left out, mate? Because it's a pretty in- incredible list of, of feats and achievements. Yeah, um, I guess the only other thing would be I'm currently in training for the uh, over 50s um, stand-up paddleboarding tour. So 13 years of training left and um, that's been a new love that I found in the last couple of years when I was living in San Francisco. I moved down to a small coastal town just south of um, the city and um, would get up each morning and, and stand up paddleboard the cold waters of um, of San Francisco, mate, and um, yeah, fallen in love with that. So I'm on the ocean here most days and um, staying healthy, staying fit and it's a way to just connect with nature and, you know, enjoy life a bit. Run me through, why, why the move to San Fran specifically? Um, that, that was, you know, obviously it's a, a wonderful city and, and for me at the time, you know, starting a company, it was, you know, the, the I guess the the biggest hub for that in the world and you get so many people like-minded people doing really cool things and it's such a an open environment where it's um, really encouraged, you know, to fail and to be brave and bold and, and try new things and I've, I've found it a, you know, a really cool space for that and also it happened to be where my girlfriend was from, so you know, win-win there. We had like a huge community of good friends and family there. And um, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. I remember we've discussed, you know, potentially over a half, uh, probably a half a night we spent discussing that, uh, a little bit about the transition there. But I never asked the question, you know, I mean, I knew that there was a connection there, family connection and a partner connection, but you had so much um established here and you wanted to obviously to increase the potential of the impact of your work which you know you did this is the great thing about showing the courage being brave being bold and this is one of the things i wanted to double down on the braveness the boldness you know boldness is one of maps values right it's a business value and you are the guy that expresses this the most and you've actually speak what's the word you've actually uh inspired that in me many times and what is it? What can you call them? What can the audience call upon? And we're getting straight into it, I know. But what mm-hmm. could the audience call upon in moments where they are at a tipping point or they're at the edge and they need to double down, they need to show that courage to step forward? What is, what is it that they can draw upon if they've never done that before? Something that, do you have a tool or something that you've been able to use in order to give you the confidence to move forward? Um, I think I. You know, I've always been fascinated by life and I've always been fascinated by collecting new experiences. And um, and I feel that, you know, the more you can play in that, get used to obviously being an entrepreneur and an artist, you get used to playing that uncertainty a lot and you get used to, you know, things not always being certain or known or safe. And and I, I guess you become comfortable in that and um, you thrive in that, in that uncertainty. And I think I've always, you know, chosen to open rather than close. And, and um, I've just realised that, you know, um, there's there's a beauty in that sort of uncertainty and, and not knowing, and I think that's um, um, always a, a nice a nice path to go down. You don't know what's going to happen, and you also know that you know you're experiencing life. And I think the big inspiration there is, you know, for me is is death, right? Like you know, health and and all those things are always ever changing and fickle, and um, and I always wanted to um, experience what I could um, while while I while I could. 
Mm. Yeah, huge. You tapped on the words uncertainty and certainty, which I love. And um, one of the big things that we want to try and create for ourselves, whether we are an athlete, an artist, whatever it might be, is to feel a sense of certainty that the uh, efforts that we're making or the goals that we're trying to achieve can come true, right? Mm. And as you said, if you anyone out there setting goals, going after visions, there's always going to be a sense of the unknown and uncertainty in the brain needs that knowing, right? So mm. as much as we can't create um, 100% certainty when we're going into the unknown, I found that there's five uh, C's of certainty that we can create. And this is great for any artist out there, like you said, that you're very much a part of that realm, that if you can uh, activate these five C's, I believe you can create as much certainty as you can to have the next C, which is the confidence to step forward. And Mm. I've seen you exercise these five things beautifully. One of them is care. Care, You, as I said, everything you do is just 100% from the heart, it's a soul's purpose. There's so much care about it. Mm. As I said, that's one thing. Commitment, yeah. you've just talked about. I think that's about important. Problem. It makes like, you know, all the work you're doing, all the challenges you face and moving to new places and new experiences, you know, you, you know why you're doing it. And that, that level of care and, and compassion is obviously important to keep you motivated whilst things are going wrong and, and ever-changing. Totally. So I like that. Yeah, total care and compassion, like you said. That That's not one of the Cs, but you've added it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to change that now. Uh, <laughs> but the care, like, as you said, there's a, and that's where potentially passion derives from as well. Not only just compassion, but passion. If you care enough about something, mm. you can, or, or you can hear it in when you say, I care about that thing. It's a deep sort of mm. um, reservoir of passion that is tapped into. Uh, I did quickly mention the word commitment. You've already committed. You committed in terms of like stepping into the unknown um, have you found anything specific that you've used in the past where you found it a lot easier to step forward and commit to something? What, what is it that allows you to commit? Um, well, I think, as you said, it stems from like care and like, a, you know, something that sort of drives you to to want to create something like, like what that vision is or what that meaning or purpose is. And I think that makes it a lot easier to commit when, when you know why you're doing it and um, I think for me, all my projects have had a, a deeper meaning in terms of like the, you know, for the book, trying to plant some seeds to get people to look at things a little bit differently for the social impact projects to try to inspire people to look at things a little differently. So I think um, I think when you're sort of passionate, inspired by something, it's a lot easier to, to step into it, right? Yeah, 1,000%. Um, your why, aligning with your why, which is that commitment, it makes mm. it a lot easier to commit. I love that. The third one, courage. Um mm. Right, which again, yeah. courage and fear. And think, yeah, yeah, yeah. And courage, like the, you can become more courageous the more you do things. Right, I think it's Thoreau who said, um, you know, you cannot dream yourself in a character; you must hammer and forge one. And I think the more you do it, the more you're hammering and forging, the more you're doing things and failing and trying and just experimenting. You know, you um, that's where you get that character and and that um, courage because you've, you've you've done it many times and you feel, you know, that's I guess that more that certainty comes into play and more that safety because you're like. Well, actually, courage is not like something this huge unknown and this great leap. It's um, it can be enjoyable and it's fun, and also you know you create all the other little steps around it to to alleviate the the stresses and anxieties that can sometimes you know wreak havoc. Yeah, one thousand again percent. And you know we talk about the the growth zone, which is what you know we're talking about in terms of your book, very shortly. But you cannot get to growth zone without going through the fear zone. 
comfort zone, fear zone, learning zone, growth zone. And like you said, the brain, every time it ta- it sees the uh, the unknown or something that's uncertain, it throws up red lights because it, that'll mean you're going to take it out into the comfort zone. If, but you need to push through that fear. And the way you push through it, like you just stated, is to care, is to commit, and to push forward with courage. And then you, but the, the one other thing I loved about what you just said too is that there's a sense of forging, right? And and uh, forging a character out of showing courage and can being consistent. Mm. There's a, there's another C. I've got to put another one down. Uh, <laughs> but forging yourself, you know, creating yourself. You know, you don't find yourself; mm. you create yourself. And I think these yeah, are the yeah, things yeah. that you've helped me in in our time together. You've definitely um, solidified these five C's for me in just the way you are and the way you act and the way that you present these in your new book. As I said, we're going to get to that incredible um the fourth one is clarity right Mm. and i think clarity is power ultimately for me i think that's where you well clarity is empowered and because if you're not clear you can't see where you're going we talked about vision which we'll also Mm. talk about and you talk about confusion and when we're confused we're unknown Mm. we fear we stop yeah and when we're in that fear zone it's hard to um you know one, it's really hard to actually enjoy what you're doing. And if you're not enjoying it, then you're, you know, you're not going to get any great outcomes. And then two, right, if you're always fearful, you're also, and it's like that polyvagal theory that um, like, you know, you've got the traffic light system, like the red, yellow, and green. And if you've got a bit of fear there or a bit of pressure or whatever, you're in that yellow, red light, it's hard to get that clarity and think clearly. But if you just have a few exercises, a few practices or something where you can step outside that noise and storm and clutter and come out and get turned, turned into the green light, then you allows you to have that clarity and create in a way that's coming from a place of you know ease rather than pressure and, and struggle and in you know that fear zone, which is not very pleasant to also enjoy either because you're always feeling like you need to be somewhere else and and all these other things too. So mm. yeah, very avoidant, right? Mm. And I I think this is the great thing, and we're gonna very much segue now because you said it's about being prepared, and I always say prepared execute enjoy reward you know that's the mm. that's the the mountain preparedness that is the key mm. if you're more prepared you are if you prepare to the best of your ability you can execute to the best of your ability if you can mm. execute yeah. to the best you receive enjoyment you can enjoy the yeah. process yeah. and mm. so we've got to step back to preparedness right which is the choice and the preparedness for me is this new book 10 out mm. of 10 the awake journal, right? That you've just produced, and you've got a, you've got got it next to you there. Uh, yeah, for those guys yeah, who get yeah. the video, I've, I was just the first shown... copy copy there last week, actually. So it's a slick um, sort of book meets journal. So it's um, you know, sort of hard cover type book that you can take anywhere, hold uh, nice size, um, and then a whole range of different you know, exercises, practices, content. Um, so you can sort of work, take, go through on your own little journey, user journey, and. This brings me to my number five, choice, right? So obviously when we make our choices, you know, our decisions, our actions, these are this is the kind of the big step, the habits that we form in order to become certain, to become more, do more, be more. So mm. after all of these great things, the stages you've shared, you know, the, the, the former books that you've, you've written and authored, you know, you, as you said, the social entrepreneurship with Hapsley, You've come. You've done all this great stuff. Why did you choose awake, and why did you choose awake for now? I remember the exact experience when, um, when I um, started writing it, or started like you know having the idea for it. I was 
jumping on a train to go and visit a friend who was just having a having a tough time in that at that period. And I just thought, you know, what is it that um gets people, you know, in these spots of bother again and again? Why do some people continue to suffer and continue to struggle over and over? What is it that, you know, yeah, separate from, you know, their external conditions or environments, like some people just continually, no matter what they have, seem to struggle a bit. So that's where I sort of, you know, came up with these four foundations, I guess these four principles for, you know, well-being or aliveness, happiness. Um, and like the first part was exploration. Like, you know, a lot of those people seem not to really explore and really play in life and, and get to know what they were actually doing and why they were doing it. And, and I guess that there's a lot of philosophy in there about, you know, Socrates and unexamined life is not worth living and the important Greek teachings about know thyself. And I think it's um very easy in this world, especially to be, if you don't, you know, explore and especially our inner worlds um, um, and really get to know why you're doing the things you do. It's so easy to be pushed and pulled from all angles. You know, we've got the fast paced, modern, uber connected world, um, social media, all these kinds of things that can really um, lead you astray if you don't um, really cultivate the right inner tools. So for me, it was about, you know, creating this really simple toolkit that I could give to my friends in an accessible way that they can just sort of in their own time, you know, implement simple tools to maybe make their lives a little bit more enjoyable so they don't run into the same problems again and again and make better choices by, you know, realising that um, by implementing, you know, different changes to your life each day by simple practices and tools, you can you can um, then make better choices and your life can be more enjoyable, right? Even amongst all the chaos and confusion and ever-changing fickleness. Toad, and you've just said that, you know, you can make better choices um, and which then uh, leads to a sense of certainty in, in an uncertain world. Mm. And what what you and what you've told me before, and I, I want to bring this up for the audience, is that the uncertainty that we feel is always a state of uh, being within, right? It's not a state mm. of doing. The uncertainty is a state of being. So what we we don't need to do things to fix it. We need to change the being, mm. right? And I think what you're done with this book, which is, again, it's beautifully, beautifully presented like you've just stated, but inside it is tools, strategies, concepts, understandings, insights to change the being, which then affects the doing in a positive mm. way. You said it's a, it's what, it's an incredible preparation tool to allow you to execute mm. life to then go on to enjoy it. And the reward is you alleviate suffering, activate happiness. Mm. And mm. I think, I think that, um, yeah, ep, ep, yeah, sorry, Epictetus, I think he said, you know, we suffer because we fail to distinguish what is in our control and what is not. Like we confuse our outer worlds, which we can influence but not control, with our inner worlds, which we can control. And I think this book is about what we're saying about that preparation and that control and controlling what we can by having a toolkit that we can rely on when things go wrong again and again. And, and that's the nature of life. Things are going to go wrong. Um, Post-COVID, um, we still want to run into relationship troubles and lose jobs and miss out on promotions and people we love are going to get sick. And, um, you know, sometimes we cultivate the wrong skills. So this was, for me, was just about um, you know, what skills that can, can we rely on again and again that can make our lives, um, you know, more enjoyable when things go wrong. And also we can still function well when things go wrong. All right. The legends at Hybration Organics are back for another season of the Map Life podcast. And we're stoked to continue promoting their growing range of super high quality and highly potent medicinal mushroom based products. Cacao elixir powders, mushroom extracts, and now a game changer 
protein powder. The Cruet Hydration Organics have taken it up another level. All killer, no filler. Hydration Organics are hands down, hands down, the best quality and most flavorsome medicinal mushroom products on the market. And that's why Matt loves them. They're honest, truthful, influential, and essential. Essential for upgrading our bodies at a cellular level. So with that knowledge, go and get your hands on as much as you can by using the code MAPLIFE25 at checkout and you get an obvious 25% off anything and everything you buy. That's www.highbrationorganics.com.au to upgrade your performance today. And you've also tapped into the idea that the mind is almost like its own muscle, that it needs to be flexed and worked out Mm. um, because we spend so much time, effort, energy, money on like you said, and you've told me before that we people just like f- getting the guns ready, getting the body mm. all fit externally, and then mm. we invest zero into the mind, mm. which is basically controlling everything, right? Yeah, the um, the big biceps aren't going to help you when things go wrong, right? And I think some people now are, are are realizing that, but during COVID, that you know, you know, if you rely too much on things like that, then you're going to suffer, you know, like cultivating the right kind of tools in the right way and doing the right kind of inner work are the things that can really, you know, nourish our relationships and, and allow us to enjoy our lives. And um, that thing about happiness, you know, being a skill, I think like when I spent um, those three months living in the hut, when my you know, brother was a monk over in Plum Village in Thich Nhat Hanh's uh, monastery, I read that book by Mathieu Ricard called Happiness. And um, his whole idea around happiness being a skill, one in which we can actually cultivate we can actually learn how to be happier and, and develop these skills. And that was sort of seemed to be in, you know, polar opposites to ideas from others that said the more you, more you aim at happiness, the more you're going to miss it. And um, that book, I think, arrived at just the right time, living in a hut away from phones and TV and all these distractions. And I actually started going, oh, you know, can I cultivate skills that, you know, might make my life a little better rather than all the skills that I'd probably focused on before, like the, you know, the, the sexy body and the, you know, the great grades and, you know, the good job and all those kinds of things. Um, they don't really help you too much. Um, you know, you need them at, at some point, right? You need the physical health and you need the job and you need the money and especially in 2021, but it's all in that balance. Right. And I think sometimes we definitely neglect um, the, the, the inner tools. Right. So. Mm. Yeah. It's, there's an imbalance and what you're stating is that, it, you have to, it's holistic, right? Mm, um, yeah. Which you've always been a huge advocate for in terms of mind and body. You talked about that. You're, you, you know, over 50 sub champion of the world come 2030, whatever it might be. No, you got 2040. <laughs> come on, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's, you know, because you're a very physical guy, you're super fit, um, super clean. And but at the same time, like you said, you've you what's just as important to you as the, on the physical side of things is the psychological hmm. side of things, which is why yeah. you've developed these tools. Oh, they're so deeply interconnected, right? Like, um, you know, people I say they're talking about people who want to get the best athletically, they you know, they sometimes neglect their mental states, and that's going to be huge in um, you know, huge influence on the results they get because performance if totally. you're always stressed and run down and, and your body's all full of cortisol, well, then you, you're not going to get any results, right? You need to learn how to you know, calm the mind and, 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 and nourish that in order to get the, the other stuff too. And that's the same with the physical, the mental, it's all, it's all connected. Relationships, work, all that stuff. And these tools allow you to handle pressure 
better. That's ultimately what that is. It's kind of like these tools are almost like a valve that allows you to release pressure, alleviate the suffering in those moments of pressure, whether they are at the top of your game as an athlete, you're on stage in front of 10,000, you're about to step on, or you're a mum or a dad and you know your kids are just pushing your buttons. It's mm. These tools are a pressure valve that just allow you to just turn it off a bit, mm. come back into an equilibrium and deal with and make better choices uh, and deal with the situation more like a professional or a great athlete, artist, whatever it might be, rather than someone who's just reactive. So you're able to respond. And one of the, the things you obviously mentioned was you can cultivate happiness. You know, it's like confidence. Confidence can be cultivated totally. Hmm. So if happiness is something that you can cultivate and work on it, sort of let's, let's get an understanding about what your definition or what is happiness to you. I like to take go the other approach and look at what we need to be happy rather than looking at the definition. There's a myriad of definitions about happiness and, and that can confuse people. And also it's sort of, you know, when people are confused, there's no clarity. So I like to say what we need, right? And this is like based on my research from the Gross National Happiness of Bhutan, from work in Denmark, um, Australia, even the UAE's work on positivity right through the Happiness Institute and, and, and on a business level, all these kinds of things brought together. Um, so decent work. You know, uh, we need a certain level of income, command over material resources, in, like, you know, sort of that economic power in our consumption. We need social trust within our community. So that's where the relationships come in, the engagement. Uh, we need regular positive emotions in the day. So we need to have interests and, and different things that do create joy. Uh, a deep meaning and purpose, cultivate mindfulness and virtue, you know, think in the right way at the right time, in the right manner, sort of that ethics and, and values type thing. And we need good governance um you know um respect and ethics coming from above so and personal freedom of actions that's that's the last one there i think there's eight there that we came up with you know in our research at hapsley um so personal freedom of action be able to develop ourselves personally and professionally and i think this is what this is what we're talking about right the, your work is around how we can develop ourselves and also how can we you know have regular positive emotions so how can we increase our, our purpose and meaning but also how can we cultivate mindfulness and virtue as well so um when we see that and have those steps, we can easily see um, what areas in our life are imbalanced, right? We might have the decent work area set up. We might be having a great income, but we've got no regular positive emotion. We've got no purpose and meaning and eventually we'll come unstuck and eventually we'll, um, we'll run into some issues. Incredible. I hope if you didn't get that down, if you haven't embedded that into your mind, if it was just too much in the one time, pause, <laughs> go back. Sometimes I, mean, I, I get excited I, and go fast, you know. So, Man, I, I was writing as fast as I could there and I'll get more of that off you. I'll probably get you to, to send that out can, to me, those eight. Because yeah, definitely. Those, those eight sort of pillars or whatever you might have stated in terms of concepts for, for how to cultivate happiness, hmm. that's gold, absolute gold. And it, you're talking about positive, purposeful, meaningful sovereignty over oneself in a relationship with others in the world around them. Yeah. It's... Those eight are as clear as I've ever heard it presented before in terms yeah. of. Because I remember, I remember like um, when I was really, you know, really diving into happiness. And this is, you know, I was spent my time living in the monastery back in 2013. So it's been about eight years since I first read that book. And really, and I remember writing on my whiteboard at home and when I was living in the mission in, in San Francisco, you know, uh, Martin Seligman, who's one of the leaders of um, positive psychology, yep, his um, PERMA model um, positive emotion, engagement, positive relationships, meaning, and accomplishment. And each day I just tried to tick off one thing that I could do in that day to influence that. So if I wanted some more positive emotion, could I go out and organise a tennis game? If I wanted to, 
So a positive relationship, could I go grab a coffee for a friend? If I wanted a bit of meaning, could I send a letter to my mum? If I wanted some more engagement, could I get involved in like something in the community? And like, and I quickly realised that I was so in control of all these different things that made me feel better, but also made the people around me, their lives more enjoyable and, and more meaningful too. So um, that was, you know, I looked a lot at, at Stillingman's work and coming up with that definition of happiness. And, um, and I think it's a really holistic thing. And we can easily see where we are on that thing and where we are in balance. Like, oh, maybe today I need some more positive emotions. And that's something right now during COVID that we can control, right? Like, how can we do it? Like, I'm struggling a little bit. Um, what do I love doing? What are my interests? Can I, you know, play chess? Whatever it is that you can implement into your life that you've neglected for a while. And when you put it out like that, it's easier to see um, where you have been, you know, you know, lacking Imbalanced. in some areas. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and it's almost reminds me of, you know, the the wheel of life, the life wheel in terms of understanding, you know, where you are and where you're putting your time, effort, attention, investment. Um, mm. It'd be amazing, you know, if for Hapsley to develop one of those for those eight um, bit, you know, in terms of its own mm. happiness wheel or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, but first... Well, maybe because- that could be in collaboration with you guys because, um, yeah, that seems more on your side that... That wheel. Tell 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 me more about that. Well, I'm just thinking in terms because the wheel of life um, it's it's a, a big concept that's been used uh, for a while, and and it's you know it's hmm. you grade yourself from zero to ten, how you feel like you're you know ten being the greatest, zero being mm-hmm. the worst, where oh, you yeah, sit, yeah. right? You you know you've seen all those, and it's finances, it's emotional, whatever it might mm-hmm. be in terms of it. But when I was listening to your eight, I was like because. Yeah, two that, things. I, I understand that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, th- and we could de- co-develop that. I'm happy to do that. Let's let's talk about it. Um, but the the two thing, <laughs> the two things that popped up were one. It resonated really deeply with me, and because as I said, we talk often, but I haven't heard that. I haven't in- made an inquiry about that before, and I love that. Like double underline, love it. The second part of it though was is that we're quite. Um, well versed in this space so for someone to get an understanding about what each of those uh, elements meant um we could you know there could be a guidance through what those each element meant mm. so that they go okay i understand that because like you said when you talked about um seligman's perma uh, to to for a meaningful experience or a relationship experience or um, exercise or whatever it was it, to mm. go and play tennis like if I was like, well, I don't play tennis, so I, I and if I if I didn't know much about it, I would have mm. been for me. I might have been like, oh, I don't really know how to do it then because I don't do what he does. So, being able to conceptualize it in a way that people get a greater understanding. And again, this is almost like the beauty of the book that you've created with Awake is that it, it that it it's available to anybody at any stage of where they're at. Yeah, that was really important. I wanted it to be super accessible because you know. Um, Sometimes the book in this space, I think you would call it, you know, mind, body, spirit, or, um, you know, for a lot of people who really need it the most, it, they're too complicated. So they read two pages of maybe Eckhart Tolle or something like that, and, and they can't resonate with it. So they put it away and they then turn on to, the, you know, go back into their old patterns, patterns of thinking or old habits, and it's really tough to shift. So I wanted, like I had all my my friends in mind, right, like when, I, when I was writing it, because, um, you know, what can they do amongst busyness of work and family and and all that kind of things to craft a little bit of time in their lives to to 
find ways to look after themselves a little bit more, but at the same time, look after their kids and their wives a little bit better by, you know, because life's not that enjoyable when we're always angry or irritable or frustrated. These are just simple ways just to help alleviate that, right? And um, the only reason you're frustrated and angry is because if maybe maybe we've um, been taught to cultivate the wrong skills or tools, right? And uh, these are just um, things that, you know, some of them are the, uh, things I learned in the monastery. Some of them are from silly men and positive psychology and mindfulness. It takes you to some guided meditations from my brother, um, a whole range of different things that are really accessible and um, also fun. Yeah, your brother was actually the guy that got me started in meditation. I remember you sent me his his original seven minute ones, and I did those for yeah. six months. And I it hooked me. I just every time we sit down for a coffee with him, I just get this sense of peace. I'm like, man, I I I feel like I'm meditating. Well, everyone does when they sit and talk to him, but there's yeah. just this. It's, it was almost like that inner voice that I have when I'm really chilled when I speak to him. It's it's <laughs> such a beautiful thing. Um, and one of the other cool things is you do almost just stated that happiness is a habit, right? So, and habits, in order to change habits, what we want to do is we want to make it as easy as possible that we can't mm. fail, super small to start with. Um, so it's not a complete lifestyle shift to begin with. Oh, yeah. it's, mm. just a, it's just a slight turn, like one degree on a, on a circle of 360. We're just going a degree at a time. And that's what the tools that you've done in here. Some of them shift one, some of them shift two, some of them shift three. There's, as you said, it's a light guidance into Mm. a deeper, into the deep work. And as you said, by the end of that, the transition through the entire book, it's, as you said, you've ended up, you know, a mile from where you would have Mm. been and a mile higher than you could have climbed based on the work that you've put in, you know, one day at a time. And that's the cool mm. thing about it is that it is, it is small steps making a, a, a long journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, it has to be like that, right? Like um, a lot, you know, life right now and always is pretty complicated. Let's um, simplify it and, and, you know, make sure that whilst we're doing it, it's not a chore. We don't have to give all these things up to live a good life. We can take some things up and, and have some fun while doing it. So, um, yeah. Exactly right. Like small things and you can dive in wherever you are and whatever stage you are in life, right? We can, yeah. And also be a bit more more playful. It doesn't have to be a serious conquest. It can just be a playful way to be curious and and look at things a little bit differently. That's a big one. Underline again for the audience, playful, fun. You know, I think I've discussed uh, with you previously, it's like as an adult, like when do you have fun? And, Mm. And how do you have fun that doesn't cost an arm and a leg? right? Most of the things that we have fun doing are like snowboard trips or surf trips, Mm. these big things. And I remember, I think a few years ago, I think I asked you the question and you came back with some really insightful, simple statements. And I was like, you know what? I can implement that really quickly. So I looked at the things that I did and that I love to do and was, and I thought to myself, how can I implement more of these things that are free? You know, like Mm. we said, going for a surf more often, you know, you just got to make the sacrifice to commit and turn it into a habit um, because, as you said, as an adult, we just sometimes forego the fun because we think we have to be serious, right? When Yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, um, and it changes so many other things, right? We are, we, I think it's like sort of we drilled in, we need to be good at everything or need to know everything, right? And we sort of get rid of that curiosity and we, we stop playing. And I think, um, I think I mentioned to you before, like how inspired I was by a friend I met in San Francisco whilst I was, you know, um, living in the mission and he was 84 years old, Lou, and he was just there surfing by himself. And I 
you know, walked up after one of my games and said, I have a hip if you'd like. And, and he really taught me how to be playful, how to, how to have a whole range of different interests and how to be curious. And, and it showed in his everyday life. You know, not many 84-year-olds are, are learning Mac to cut up footage for his new volleyball film. And, um, you know, when the courts were locked down, I sort of sent him an email and said, hey, how are things going? He said, no, no, things are great. I've started playing uh, Tenshi. He started creating, so he brought the tennis court to his driveway and, and blended it with Tai Chi. So he started, you know, just moving tennis strokes on his on his backyard. So, like, you know, most other people would be, you know, stuck in rigid thinking and being like, oh, what can I do? Like, oh, tennis court's a thing, boring, oh, bah, nothing else to do. He just got creative and playful and and found another way that he can enjoy his life because there's always going to be roadblocks and barriers. You know, how can we be a little skillful and creative and saying, oh, that, yeah, that's that's a little bit tricky, a little bit difficult. Well, how can I step around it and, and still enjoy this life and, and, and be playful and have fun and not have to be so serious. And he's 84 years old playing 10 chi on his driveway and he's like the epitome of like a vibrant, perp, like, you know, living a purposeful life. And for me, that was like an inspiration because how many 84-year-olds do you see who are super healthy and fit and engaged and, and, a, and a big part of their community? And I think playfulness and creativity are two things that we um, really shy away from, which we, we shouldn't. We should, yeah always be playful and creative especially when we get older yeah that's right embrace it and like you said but most uh, i shouldn't say most a lot of people when they've learned this is and they learn behavior they a barrier is placed in front of them and they oh can't do it anymore right oh you know because it didn't go the exact right way right the certain way so mm. the barrier gets placed down creates a sense of uncertainty and this is what i love about athletes so much is that they have to figure out a way if you want to be good and if you want to be great the great athletes know how to get around barriers and obstacles better and faster than anybody else right Mm. so it's ultimately about when the barriers placed solution-based thinking not problem thinking but solution-based thinking uh, how do i get over this under this through this whatever it might be and again using your confidence from past experience allows you to be confident to move forward if it knocks you down again athletes you learn this through sport resilience Mm. right get back up figure out a different way it's Mm. the same thing when you're playing games on the computer right if you go down one alley and you get shot you keep Mm. going down the same alley ultimately you're just going to end up getting the same outcome yeah you notice it with kids too when they're playing if you just watch them they're totally super creative and they go oh that doesn't work i'll go and try to do something different but then i don't know what it is we get to a certain age where we um you know we, maybe we think we know everything already and we um not willing to try new things but um yeah kids are super playful and they're super curious and and um always thinking of new ways to look at things and I think um we think you know that curiosity is important. So maybe what there's something in that for you know adolescents, late teens, early twenties, especially guys around our age, you know how can we infuse a little bit more curiosity into our lives? like you said, so that we don't become rigid? How do we infuse a little hmm. bit more cognitive flexibility? Well, for one thing, one, one you know, practice you can do this week is stretch yourself and try something new. What is one thing that, you, you, that scares you? What can you try that puts you outside your comfort zone and therefore, therefore stretches your mind? Can it be taking a language class or a cooking class? Can it be diving in the cold ocean? Can it be dusting off the old surfboard? Can it be you know, picking up an old interest that you, you really used to love but um, in the business of life, you've sort of you know, packed away and haven't done it. We've all got things that we really enjoy and, and love and passions and little projects that I think, you know, we, 
we get to an age where we, we start to do things only for a reason, right? It has to have an agenda or, you know, to get this outcome or, but we, we lose that curiosity of just doing things because it's, um, it's fresh and it's different and it makes me feel good. That's also, also a nice thing to do, right? You know, I think like, I remember when I was, you know, stand up paddleboarding and stuff like that, it sort of, for a while there was always like, you know, you know, for, for fitness or for health or for exercise, never just for it and it only, never just to, outside and I remember I lost that little bit of playfulness for a while and it's also about having that awareness as well to realize that actually I'm getting a bit rigid like how can I shift to do something else do I can I you know go walk a different way to the coffee shop in the morning can I go to a different coffee shop like simple things can I you know ring up a different friend can I go on in my lunch break instead of having it in the kitchen can I go sit in the park rip the shirt off and get some sun like all these little things are just you know doing different things can you have a tech-free zone, like you know, two nights this week where you disconnect from your phone, your laptop, your TV, and go and eat your dinner under a tree, and and do nothing, and spend some time by yourself? Like all these things are, you know, simple ways, but just allow you to be curious and step outside your rigid patterns of thinking or doing the same thing that can become stale, you know. Yeah. Okay, guys, when it comes to protecting your eyes and the sensitive skin around them in the raddest way possible, Electric's signature melanin-infused lenses and styles do it best. As a feature in all of their sunglasses, melanin blocks 98% HEV blue light, provides crisp vision and a heightened level of protection. I mean, designed in California, Electric is rooted in and inspired by the Southern California's rich music, art, surfing, snowboarding, and active lifestyle cultures. Now, the legends at Electric are putting up a pair of sweet frames for our Season 2 competition, but if you can't wait that long, visit electriccalifornia.com and get 20% off and free shipping to Oz and New Zealand by using the promo code MAPLIFE, that's M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E, at checkout, and while you're at it, Check out their super cool Instagram page at Electric for all of the Southern Cali vibes you can handle. Yeah, awareness. And again, a triple underline under awareness. This is a big one. Ultimately, if we, the more aware we become of who we are, what we believe in, what we want to achieve, the habits we're forming, it ultimately slows time down. Awareness allows us to be present. And I, my one of my really good mates... Um, because I'm always trying to figure time out, right? Because mm. we've, you and I have connected very much on our my my fear of death. Yours, yours, not so much. But um, there's a and figuring out time and why it goes feels like it's zipping through. And he was like, mm. consistency of doing the same things blends experiences into one. New experiences mm. breed new synapses in the brain, and it may, and it just becomes more emotionally resonant, which means it takes more priority in terms of its present moment experience, mm -hmm. which to me. I was like, wow. So basically if you become, this is why they, you know, the Eckarts and all the guys like that are saying presence, 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 mm. you know, it's the fact that it just becomes more aware. And what you're stating is that the more aware we can become about the things that make us come alive and the things that, that don't or trying new things that allowed us to um, stem some curiosity, stem mm. some creativity, spawn some new life, some new experiences they're going to make us more aware, which is more present, more time, and therefore we feel like we've had a more engaged life. 
yeah, yeah, presence is um the fourth foundation there. I mentioned exploration, know yourself, then there's meaning and presence. And um, yeah, presence is you know super critical. You know, look, we can always be stuck in our worries of what happened yesterday, always looking down the future. And that's typically, you know, we're always leaning forward type people, right? We're like, you know, what's coming next. And um, we can sometimes forget what's what's happening right here. And it's also, it doesn't have to be some huge elaborate thing. It, like, you know, you can be jumping off a cliff or surfing, or if, but if your mind's always somewhere else, then, you know, you know, you could, you know, that's a, a very dangerous and unhealthy habit to cultivate, right? We could be you know, making love to a beautiful woman and thinking about what we're having for dinner next, right? And that's uh, sometimes what the uh, patterns of, you know, behaviour get us into, right? We're always, we're, we're eating our dinner, but we're thinking about what we're doing next or we're watching TV and we're like, oh, what can I get next? And that can be real, you know, we miss out on so much life. We miss out on all those beautiful moments. And a lot of those moments are simple, right? If you if you can't enjoy just sitting under a tree without your mind running, racing to, to something more entertaining and more, you know, exotic or whatever, you, you you're gonna you're gonna miss out on so many moments, right? And I think that's um for me that that was probably the biggest tool for me learning being in the monastery where I had no choice but to be bored and lonely because we get so used to being distracted and and filling our time up with these entertainments that are you know fast and flashy and we and if we get stuck in that we're always somewhere else whenever just here and you can be jumping off the cliff as I said and doing something which is amazing and liberating but you could be thinking about someone else too. So that presence is allows you to just actually enjoy what you're doing in this moment. Right. Yeah. And, totally. uh, and be there. And it allows you to not only be, you know, better for yourself, but also be a better friend, husband, wife, son, because you're actually there with someone not thinking about what you're doing next. And um and I think that's where you, you get all the other benefits of great relationships as well. Yeah, it's something that reminded me of um when we, we do some work on in the Talent Ascension program on habits, at the, and we've just finished this part in terms of kryptonite. Mm. And what is your kryptonite habit? The one habit that basically, if you take it out, can improve your life tenfold. So one for 10, right? Something small for a big mm. change. And for me, I know when I want to immerse in work, and we've talked about, again, the, the impact of the phone and social media and, and just the phone itself. So mm. what I've, I've had to have done is I had to, my habit, my kryptonite is the phone if I want to immerse. So the phone goes mm. into another room, right, and I, and I immerse. And one other thing I noticed the other day is um, when I'm eating, right, presence of eating, presence mm. of mind when I'm eating, yeah. the, the times when I'm just glued to try and, you know, in that time using my meal breaks as times to respond to this, that, or the other, um, you get through your food. And you don't even remember what you ate. You don't remember how it tasted. You just, mm -hmm. you're distracted, right? And I, there was a moment the other day where I also noticed that when it wasn't there, I was able to think, to connect, to look around and new thought processes started to, and synapses were firing and I had new ideas mm. in just mm. like a 15 or 20 minute breakfast break. I was able to find that because there was less distraction, there was more focus. Mm. Slowing down creates more time, less distraction more focused mm. attention on the things that you want. And you've encouraged this many times in me before. And as I said, that so that that moment that we can all do that, we can all just take a brain break or a, a phone break or a, a tech break when we're eating, you know, whether it's yeah. dinner, lunch, breakfast. I love that. Um, in the book, like I've got practices on eating meditation, walking meditation, tea and coffee meditation because, you know, that's typically what we do, right? We a lot of people have this sit, you know, sitting meditation practice in the morning and they sit for 30 minutes or an hour. But then if you're always rushing 
throughout your day, you know, rushing to the bus to get to the yoga class or, or whatever it is, and you're missing out on all those moments to actually put into practice, right? That's why I think walking meditation is a tool that I use every day, right? I use it instead of, you know, typically we're so used to always just thinking about what, we, what we're doing next. And a walk to get your coffee, you're thinking about what's coming next instead of just enjoying where you are right now, right? So, you know, walking can be like, a, a bridge to to be more present in each day in, in each in, in each moment and instead of like you know having to do a more elaborate sitting meditation practice do it in many many times now throughout your day eating i'm here eating actually yeah feel the food you're eating and the crunches and the tastes and the flavors we just typically rush through it and like shit i don't even remember eating it mm-hmm. and then you're having your morning coffee and you're thinking about what you're doing next your to do to-do list but as you said if you just have that coffee for a moment you probably get more clarity and you you allow you to get, be more creative and have those ideas because if you're always in that thinking world and you try to sit and outthink and outthink your problems, that's that's difficult. It's dangerous. It's you know, and um, yeah, it's tiring. So we learn these different ways: sitting and eating and walking, so we can step outside the you know, that thinking mind and reconnect with our body, reconnect mind with body, and, and slow down and stop and recalibrate, refresh, reinvigorate, and um, yeah, so simple too. We can do it. 35, 40 times a day. Every time we walk, we can um, feel the feet touch the ground, the, the sun kissing the skin, the, the wind, you know, coming through the nostrils, all those things that we otherwise were just walking through day, like days like a zombie, right? And I, I see you see it all the time, like the big cities, people rushing through their days, their heads somewhere else. And they might be rushing to their, ironically, to their meditation class to sit down for 30 minutes, but they haven't been doing it for 23 hours before it, you know? It's better to just do it before it. Why you having your meal? Sit there. And that's why, you know, in the monastery, it was so funny because I had all these built-up habits that when I sat down to eat, I was just racing through the food and, you know, they've got a few different practices there. Like you have to sit and wait for everyone to come. So that in itself was just real tricky. Normally you're used to get it, you're diving into it. You're like, this thing's in front of you. Like, what is it? And here you just have to wait. You have to be patient. 20 minutes, might be 25 minutes before someone comes and joins you. And you're just sitting there getting used to being like, Actually, I don't need to rush through this to get to the next thing. What, what is this one thing I'm doing right now? And then you eat slowly, one bite. And I think it's like 42 bites you're meant to eat each, you know, each thing. So most people just like two bites, boom, straight through it. And actually, you know, and you just get into the next thing. And then when does it end? Because you're always just rushing through that thing to get to the next thing. And then you miss out on so much life, right? You miss out on so much beauty, beautiful things that you you don't even know they exist. Yeah, right? the cycle of missing out, man. I, and I brought this up too this is another little habit that i've that i've caught myself doing that i need to change and it's step by step is that when i do eat uh, i always before i've stopped chewing i've got another spoonful of whatever mm. it is waiting to go like so instead what i what i caught myself doing i said okay cool i think the best thing for me to do here is just trial this out is to take a bite and put the utensil back in the, the yeah. bowl of the plate and just let it go and chew because then i've got to go and pick it up because i've formed a habit of just shoveling mm. and i don't mean like hooving it in i yeah, enjoy what course, i eat yeah. but i i caught myself and and how and a, a little step that i could take in order to make a big change and that's one of the things i wanted to drop on the audience here is that it's it's small steps you don't have to go from zero to hero straight away one of the things that that ev is very much proclaiming here and, and i completely agree and i'm trying to enforce that with some examples is that it's just one small step and you trial it and if you bugger it up, right? If if you find yourself that you don't get it right, that doesn't mean the tools go out or the you know the the toys go out of the cot. It's yeah. realign, try it again, 
right? Mm. Go back, give it a shot. And that's the same thing with meditation. It's like, because when you were saying, you know, the, the non-thinking side of things, I find that when I have my meals, if I'm not near the, the device, I get clarity of thought. And I really like that. So the next step for me, like when you were saying, I don't want you to, I want you to just to try and just be really present in your food. I was like, <gasps> dude, don't take my thinking time away from me. Like this is the, the, the thing mm. that, um, and, and I was, then I was like, well, what, what is this that's coming up for me? What is this resistance? Right. And it's just that there's a nice well, habit. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean you have to stop thinking. Like, you know, we don't stop thinking. We just, um, we allows us to become more aware of, where are those thoughts coming from again and again and what it is, right? If you're always running at a frantic pace, you don't even know, you know, what, what the what the patterns of, of thought are. So yeah, you just about, react, you know, why right? is this thing popping up again and again? Why is it making me anxious? Why is there a bit of fear attached to it? You actually kick back. Oh, actually, I'm slowing down now. That's why that's there because, you know, I'm a bit irrit- irritated by that person today. And then you can just sort of identify things that are causing your suffering and then find ways to step, step outside them or... Yeah, yeah, and that's that emphasizes exactly what I was stating there. Which for everyone, it's is that you don't necessarily have to, um, like I said, go zero to hero, right? We we're all on a on a journey to try and be better, to do more, be more, achieve more, things like that. But in this moment, what we're stating and what what I'm trying to state, and I think Ev is, is backing me up, is that it's it's a step by step process, right? And hmm. you might be at the start of your journey, you might be the mid, you might be a, however far along you are on this, but it's not about a huge leap, it's just the next step. And then if you get there and it works, take the next step or just keep keep at it, right? Hmm. Keep focused, keep your attention on the next, the next thing that's going to be great for you when you're forming habits. And we're talking about habits here and mm-hmm. ultimately what you want to try and do is align those habits with the vision at the end, right? So obviously get clear on what your vision is. What What is your vision? Do you want to be happier? Do you want to be more fulfilled? Do you want to be more satisfied? Do you want more money? Well, whatever it is that your vision is, ultimately you said at the start that be clear on your vision, understand your why, right? Know who you are, what you believe in, what you want to achieve. Um, yeah. And align yeah, those and a two that, points. A lot, of that comes, yeah, a lot of that comes more clearer once you've done a bit more of the exploration, once you've experimented, as you said, and be a bit more playful of things that allows you to become clearer and, and get rid of all that sort of that noise that can make you more confused. Yeah, the more times you can slow down and have some quiet periods, the more you can actually figure out why you're doing the things you are and then those, those whys and those visions become a little clearer. Before I ask you about your vision, what's your vision for the book and Awake and, and its impact on the world, before we get into that, do you have potentially maybe from the book, but again, I don't want to put you on the spot, um, the four pillars that you talk about, exploration, know thyself, meaning and presence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is there something specific or a little action or a strategy that someone can implement if they hear this a podcast and say, you know what, for, for exploration, Try this for aware, uh, awareness or know thyself. Try this. Do you have one for each of those four? Um, well, there's a connect to your values exercises and the investigations in the exploration, but also you could do, the, I think, the stretch yourself and try something new challenges in there that's in exploration. allows you just to, you know, explore more of why you do the things and what brings you joy. And now um, in Know Yourself, um, we've got some How Am I writing meditation practices. And within each element, there are guided meditations as well. Mm. How am I writing it each day to sit down and say, like, how am I? We say to everyone around us, how are you doing? But we never stop to take the time to ask, ask ourselves, 
you know, what's causing us that, that suffering is each moment. So um, for five minutes each morning, I just sit down and say, how am I? And um, I write, you know, what's coming up? What's popping? Am I, you know, is it, um, is it a bit of anxiety about this particular person or, you know, whatever it is. And it just gives you a little, bit, little moment of clarity just to sit down, you know, away from distractions just to see what's up, you know. Um, so that's probably one and how am I also gratitude. Gratitude's a good um, practice we've got in there just, um, you know, Gratitude and what went well. Three things before you go to sleep each night. What went well during that day and why? Like, what um, what did you do to allow that thing to 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 happen? Right, and I think that's important. That association to say what you did to make that good. So it could just be something as simple as you know, I went for a walk out in the sun, and um, you know, I could have had the choice to sit home and watch TV, but I decided to go for a walk. I I made that mm. choice. I can yeah, what went well. Gratitude each day. Um. And then in the um, meaning, um, we do a lot of sharing and and um, watering flowers exercises. So that's something that I learned in the monastery and I, and I adapted a little bit here. So basically you just think of a friend in your life, um, family member, um, think of um, three qualities that they possess that you admire and um, write them down. And then next time you speak to them, whether you give them a phone call or write them a letter and just express those feelings to them. And, and so watering a flower like that, you know, we're really good at recognizing our, our, our bad qualities. Like, you know, bad things are like Teflon and good things are like Velcro. I mean, you know, obviously flip that around. Our good things are like, you know, they slip, we, we, they, they rush, but we're really good at recognizing our bad things. So when others recognize our good qualities, it helps us grow. But it also helps you grow too because doing an act of kindness mm. releases our feel-good chemicals and we get a little helper high while satisfying our need for connection. And we boost positive emotions for appreciation and gratitude. We actually lead to high functioning people and, and improved self-esteem just mm. by saying something nice about someone, say complimenting a person, you get all those good things, right? And the other person gets all those good things too. And um, I think they did a study, I think it was in a town in Massachusetts for over three decades of 5,000 people. And they found that when one person experienced you know, positive emotion, well, that rippled throughout the entire community. So if you water a flower, whether it's sending a text message now or this week to a friend in your life saying, you know, thank you for being this kind of person, it'll make you feel much better. It'll make them feel much better and that ripple throughout the entire community too. So, you know, that's a simple exercise that we can do multiple times. And I do it all the time. You know, sometimes we don't recognise the people in our lives, what they've done or, you know, the qualities that they display. And if you just say, hey, man, you know, like to you, Simon, yeah, thanks for being so caring and supportive for me and all my projects, my book over the years and my talks, and you've always been kind and, you know, rang up and said, how's it going and, and what can I do to help you? You know, that helps me a lot. And, um, you know, it's been wonderful and supportive. Do that to so many of your friends in your life. It makes you feel good. You know, it makes me feel good now just saying it to you. Yeah, that's, yeah I man, believe that and that's honest. I appreciate so, that, man. And, I, yeah. you know, there's it's such a – the give giving um, – is half of it and and receiving is also the, the you know that's the full cycle so when you give that um give something someone a compliment or appreciative of whatever whoever they are whatever they do um and and if you're on the receiving end of that allow your body to experience that because you're then telling your body that when we do great things we feel great and we're going to continue to do them um mm. there's and, and i won't go pit the audience if you can if you're able to if you're not driving press pause Think of someone that you love, yeah. friend, family member. Now, think about one thing, two things, three things, like Evan said, and shoot it to them in a text. Just send yeah, them a text, 100%. say, g'day. Um, I, did a, I did a talk in, um, in Copenhagen and I did this exercise on stage. I said, everyone, 
get out your phone now and just flick a text to someone in your life who, awesome. you know, compliment them, say, say a good thing about your friend or someone at work or a project that they did and some of that inspired you and just flick, it, flick out that message. And um, like you, for the next twenty, <laughs> you'd have been like the next twenty minutes. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah, for the next twenty <laughs> minutes of that talk, I saw these people. Their expression had shifted. They were all like more, you know, alive and actually, you know, like some of them just sitting there, you know, it's pretty bored. And then after that, they were like reinvigorated because they'd actually someone so simple like that, right? And it also helps, like you know, when we grew up, like there's this thing around like sharing your emotions and and being like vulnerable or you know, and, and expressing these kinds of things. And I think, remember when I first went to the monastery, I couldn't share anything. I couldn't say anything nice about other people. I couldn't say anything about what I was experiencing. And the more I did that, like I, was, I sent these texts out to some of my biggest, toughest mates who mm. have probably never received a compliment. Like you should you see the response they come back. They're like, you know, and they start saying nice things back. Like, and then they might send you a text. Oh, how are you doing? Like it ch- makes a big difference in people's lives. You know, like people feel they can be comfortable in expressing how they feel and, and also they become more aware of those things. So there's so many good things happening in their lives. Like there's some good people around them um, that we can sometimes when we're always rushing so fast, we forget it. It's and the, um, Oh, man, know. I love it. It's the gift that keeps on giving, right? Hmm. I, I do it every day. I don't, I don't know why it's um, maybe it's a little secret of mine, but why I always seem to be so happy and content. But um, you know, I don't do it like in a deliberate intention. I do it because I actually genuinely believe it, but it also helps too. So if you are struggling a little bit, do it as a little as a trick to help someone and also boost your positive emotions as well. And I think one of the big things to double down on here is that don't send it waiting for a response, right? Don't send it because you want to get something back. Send it because you want to give, right? You will yeah. receive. Just in the giving, you receive. But you know, if that's all that if that's all that you receive back, you don't get a response back, a text back. Don't again, like we said, get to a barrier and then just turn around and go, I'm never doing that again. Because that's mm. you've missed the point. The point is, mm. is that it's a giving exercise. And and again, this is the reason why I did this for our competition this year in the podcast competition, is that the way that you enter is to uh, get onto social media and mm. for example, on your episode, right? Someone loves something that you said. What the in order to enter any any comment on your episode post on Instagram hmm. with the, the concept or the tool or the strategy or the quote or whatever you might have said, and then they tag hmm. you in it as a thank you, right? All right, let's do that. Whoever does this from this episode, they get a free copy of the book Awake. Oh, so nice. Finds, if there's a piece in here, why don't we, why don't we do that? So you can g- quote a piece from here and um, tag, you know, Simon's pod, pod in here in my in this talk, and, um, and then they get a free copy of Awake. So we'll have to put well, it into a drawer, right? Because there might be a few. Yeah, draw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Giving away a thousand copies of books. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, that Pop sounds nice. Draw. So yeah, for, for yeah. this specific episode, this sounds great. Evan's going to um, – so if you comment on Evan's post on, on the Map Life Instagram page, you're going to not only go into the draw to win the full prize pack for season two – you go into the drawer for this episode specifically to win a copy of Awake, Ev's new book, the, the journal that you can carry everywhere and improve your life for betterment, for more happiness, more aliveness, which is what I loved before. Um, superb. Like, and it's, it feels like we're wrapping the thing up, but I've got more questions. So I don't want to, don't want to wrap up just yet, but it's, that was a nice little segue. And we might cut to an ad. Right I'm enjoying now. it. I can, I can talk for a day. This has been fun. Okay, team, I've partnered with some amazing brands again for season two, and I'm super excited at this partnership with Project Blank, an eco-friendly wetsuit, hardware, and lifestyle brand 
founded on conscious, honest decisions and blends quality and affordability with environmentally considered products. As they say, the only footprint we want to leave is on the sand. So when you purchase from Project Blank's epic range of products and use the code MAPLIFE at checkout, that's M-A-P-P-L-I-F-E, you're not only assured your choices are environmentally conscious and friendly, as you'll already be contributing to their charity partners, Ecology Forests, Ecology Climate Projects, and the award-winning Seabin. But PB, Project Blank, have given us 20% of every order to distribute to MAP's own charities of choice. So every quarter, MAP will work with a different charity partner. And with thanks to you, the MAP Life audience, we will collectively support the organizations out there offering nature a helping hand to heal. Our first charity, being that one of our early guests on season two is an ambassador of, will be Protect Our Winters, the leading climate advocacy group for the winter sports and outdoor community. They are a collective of over 60 million across the 12 countries who speak out, show up and act against climate change to ensure the protection of our unique alpine playgrounds. The Australian chapter of POW launched in 2018 and seeks to mobilize the Australian winter and outdoor sports community of which I am a part of to take positive action towards climate change. So with all that said, Go visit projectblank.com.au and buy something eco and epic for your next adventure outside. Do good, feel good, go blank. So we talked about the happiness, what it is, and as you said, rather than comment on what it is, it's more about how to achieve it, the eight, I guess, eight points or eight concept strategies, overarching themes, which, I, again, we're going to tag um, and hopefully do something with. Hmm. Um We've discussed how do we achieve it consistently through the four pillars of aliveness, so to speak, with exploration, awareness, meaning, presence. And I don't want to mix this one up, but is do you believe do you believe that happiness is what we should be focusing on? As in, is it the result or is it the process? Um, no, I, I, I am. You know, I I don't think um, life's about being happy. I think life's about having a full life, and um, with that, it's it, it's inevitable that we'll we'll suffer no matter what. We're going to suffer. So I think it's more. What's more important is having the skills and tools to still function and grow when we do. So I think that's like this book. You could say it's about happiness. You could say it's about well-being. You could say it's a toolkit. I don't, I don't think it's like I don't think life's about being happy. I think you know you can't be happy all the time. I think it's about being full and and being engaged and being vibrant. And and with that, you're going to suffer. But you need to have access to some tools that when things go wrong, you can still function. And you can still be a good friend and still support people around you. So, um, yeah, I think yeah, you can definitely learn things to, to make your life more enjoyable. And when things go wrong, you can fall back on things to say, hey, so instead of taking a huge fall and a huge dip, you have tools to go, actually, how can I shift out of this negative thinking and, and come back and, you know, actually, you know, before it just destroys you again and again over and over, right? Um, so, yeah, it's about, you know, it's... um happiness is good i think my i think don't think my task here in, in writing the books and starting the company is about getting people to be happier i think it's about getting people to whatever it is in their life you know in their lives maybe a bit more enjoyable a bit more fulfilled a bit more meaningful purposeful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe having a good relationship maybe being nice maybe having a laugh at night and if anything it is right like but just um and all of that from what you've told me it sounds like all of the stuff you just said 
cultivates a sense of happiness, right? But being happy that is in the awareness that it's not just about laughing and feeling bubbly and, and great all the time. Happiness is a state of awareness through yeah, and, and like you said, and having the confidence in your ability to handle what lays ahead, right? Yeah, and it's, and it's definitely not about avoiding suffering because that's impossible, right? It's not about, you know, this life or avoiding anything that's unpleasant because that's just, well, it's impossible and it's certainly no way to live a life, right? You, if you're going to put yourself out there and challenge things, things are going to go wrong. Um, so it's not about everything being pleasant and sweet and, and pretty. You know, I think... Um, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh has this, 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 this saying, which is no mud, no lotus. Like the beautiful lotus flower grows from mud, so it grows from suffering. And a lot of our great things do grow from suffering, from struggles, from bad times. But we need to, when we develop a little bit more of awareness of what those things are uh, coming from and causing, we can make sure we don't fall into it again and again. And we can also make sure that our friends don't as well. Yeah, Maya Angelou says the same, a similar thing, you know, no rain, no rainbow. Mm. Um which is, again, very aligned with Thich Nhat Hanh there. And both of those people are just, if not um, two of the most insightful, powerful voices of their generation and, and generations to come. Mm. And, you know, we're looking back on these people and being influenced by these people. And I think what, you're done, what you've done, Ed, with Evan, with what you've cultivated yourself with your books, with your work, with your speaking, is that, it's the old saying in terms of like standing on the shoulders of giants. It's you've, you've looked at and absorbed more than anyone that I know around this space of happiness, positive psychology, all of those, this, this incredible learning. And you've, and you've used it to create something that can influence this day and age. You know, it's, it's a voice for now. It's a voice for the current climate. It's a voice for the current barriers for a better word. Um, Hmm that people can upskill with and you've put it in a way that people can see it as tools and obviously they're skills and skills are, are meant to be learnt and meant to be bettered and then they're bef- and then you become a master at these things. Whether, as I said, whether you're learning to play guitar or you're learning how to kick a footy or you're learning how to cultivate a mindset that can help you through times where you need to be resilient, times that are tough, times that are uh, loss and grief and suffering. You, you don't just you, these things don't just come out of thin air, right? Those in terms of like learning how to get through tough periods of your life or um, times where you need to get back out of the mud, right, and get back to mm. your feet and keep moving forward. That's not just something that you are given. These are things that you got to learn, and they're skills. And if you haven't put the time into these things, then you're gonna get stuck in the mud, right? This is mm. the whole thing, the whole quicksand theory. So. If you haven't done anything, or even if you have done some work, like I was saying, I keep referring to this book because I look at it, and as in I've looked through it from the its genesis through the whole, and I'm and I was just like this thing. I told you the first time you told me that I, was like, I said this thing's gonna go fucking crazy. It's great, right? I was, I remember I was in, in living yeah, in my house in, my, in Avalon. Right? I remember that. It's funny, like you have these vivid memories. I remember like having I was in San Fran then living at the time. I remember having the phone call, and I remember like. Yeah, you know, it's funny, like that we we're talking about before when people say nice things of you know and encouraging things, you remember them, right? It makes you feel good. So I actually remember that vivid moment from what 28, 2018, maybe three, mm. maybe mid-while. So yeah, yeah, continue. So yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I remember that and I it, it hasn't changed. It's actually grown in its in its uh passion for and this is one of the reasons why I reached out and said, mate, can we can we get you on the podcast? Because I want to, I want to 
spruik this book. I think everyone in the world should have a copy of this thing on their kitchen table, on their coffee table, in their back pocket, heading to the cafe, going to the beach, mm. wherever they're going. Like it's it's a tool for now and it's a tool for anyone who's looking to be more, whether you feel like you're killing it, whether you're an athlete, artist, mum, dad, kid, adolescent, whatever it is, or you feel like you're going through a period where you need to try and be more, do more, get out of this this mindset of suffering, of, of illness. Um, so it's again, this is a mental health tool. And, and when we say the word mental health, it sounds like a bit of a stigma. We're, we're not saying mental ill health. We're saying it's a mental health tool. How do you cultivate healthy, holistic thinking, ways of being, mm. ways of doing? And this is the tool. And this is a great tool for that. And You've been around the clock in terms of mental health, man. You've you've you transitioned from, you know, like when you're an adolescent party boy, you know, this all of this mental health that was like it was the furthest thing from your mind. Uh, that was who you were. It was like sex, drugs, rock and roll, women, the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. And the transition has gone from that, and you've learnt, you've progressed, and transitioned into a into this state of awareness now, where, like you said, every day you feel content. You feel happy. You feel privileged to be alive. You feel connected. Mm. And that other guy, the 16, 18, 19, 20-year-old Evan, was the complete opposite of that, right? Mm. The, the yeah, disconnected. Yeah, that, that 25-year-old dude or 26, 27 was always chasing after his happiness and all those good things you just mentioned in external things. And um, and if you, you know, if you live that kind of life, you're always, you know, you're in that pleasure trap you know, that hedonic hamster wheel where you're, you know, you're chasing after something in drugs, sex, parties, girls, and it's always in someone else's control, never in your own. And, um, and all those things you said, they're nice. They feel good, right? Life's not good when you're not under pressure and you're not stressed and you're not anxiety. These little things that just, you, you think, oh, you know, and back then, like maybe, you know, people would have thought I was, you know, I was pretty cool. Like I've been to, you know, over 50 countries and I had, you know, sex with beautiful women all over the world and all these cool things. And people are like, oh, that's amazing. But, you know, it's um, all, all coming from a place of lack. It's important to see where it's coming from, right? And a lot of it for me was. It was coming out of boredom, loneliness, um, fear, and always from something missing, you know, yeah, and that's lack important of a sense too, of self, right? I think yeah. you can do these things. I think you can sleep with beautiful women. You can take drugs. But if you're doing it for the right reasons and you're doing it, you actually know why you're doing it and where it's going to lead. That's, that's, that's important too, right? So you're saying that, um, that your choices, if they come from a state of awareness, and not just an awareness of what they are, but an awareness of why you're doing it and that your deep sense of purpose and meaning aligns with that why, that your choices then can be made um, wholeheartedly, whole solely, right? Whatever you choose to do, whether it be th- those practices you talked about, women and drugs and fun and whatever it is, um, or whether it be meditation and, and cleansing, mm. whatever your choices are, are you stating that as long as it is aligned to your deeper sense of meaning and purpose of why you're here and that the path from that to the action itself is clean and clear and understood and you're made aware mm. of it, then your choices can then be made um, intentionally. Yeah, I think um, obviously there's there's a balance there, right, between like you know, playing too much in, in one, one, one game, you know, and how that impacts not only yourself, but your family and friends. So that's important, right? Like that ethics and values. Um, and then also it's very easy to create a story to say, this is why I'm doing it. So that's important too, because, you know, we, us as humans, we're very clever people. We can um, manipulate someone to say, oh, I'm doing it for this reason, right? We can lie to ourselves. So that's also very important to say, oh man, I, I can do this because I've done this and I'm doing it for the right reasons. I think like eventually, 
you know, if it's benefiting your life and supporting the people around you, then, you know, um, you know that's important, right? Like, so I think you can, you know, you can, you know, like for me, like when I was completely lost and doing all those things for just because everyone else around me was doing it and because I, I didn't never really taken the time to examine and explore why I was doing it in the first place. So you sort of just, as you said, get pushed and pulled from all angles and land in a big pile of mud and you get stuck and, and it's easier to just in that in that stage just to keep on doing this the thing you know because it's easier and simpler and everyone around you is doing the same thing but um, you know you you just need more of it you need more entertainments you need more 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 and then um, you know you never feel that contentment and satisfaction it's every, all your actions are coming from lack and you, you always need to keep chasing after the next thing. Yeah, I reflect on on what I was doing when I was younger in terms of the way I conducted myself and digging not so much into the actions but digging into the motivations of it is it was just to fill gaps right mm. it was to fill gaps within the self and a sense of self which i didn't have like if you go through and this so this is kind of just trying to bring the audience in in terms of like um like i said you don't start out being evan right now you start out being evan when he was 17 18 19 doing the things that he just said right but if you're looking for a state of greater happiness wealth in terms of mental wealth um, physical health wealth in that sense if you're looking for a state of being and doing that is more deeply connected than you could ever think it was possible you've got to go through a process of letting go of the things that are causing you pain and suffering and embracing more of the things that are going to fill those gaps right consistent and not and not just fill them and then they empty out and fill them and empty out right you can fill alcohol and drugs and all kinds of stuff into these gaps but they're, they're not going to stay full hmm. you've got to find the things that that fill it like concrete and turn it into a whole um a whole thing and as i was saying the this it, you think about it it's in step by step you don't want to go thinking that it that you have to be one way or the other like but if you're seeking something deeper and i know i was the, the steps that you have here in terms of awareness and exploit, know thyself. That to me is the greatest gift that has ever been bestowed upon me is to take a journey of, of self-discovery. Mm. Um, and I, I went through that on my own. Um, I had, you know, I've got mentors myself, you know, I, and as I said, there's, there's guys that I've leaned on in the past, but a lot of that time was done on a solo mission, whether it be, mm. and it took longer than, than potentially was needed. Had I engaged with somebody, you know, like you or like me that could support me through the journey of that, you know, work and help me through those tools and support me through that, that space, you know, my on, off field antics, right. Would have been shaped to a much greater sense and deeper meaning of purpose. And, and like, it would have been a greater expression off field, which would have led to me, I believe towards the end of my career, being a greater expression on it because I remember when I was in um, in the UK, my first season in the UK was horrible, right? Mm. But I was lost, dude. That's the, that's rock bottom for me when I was in in the UK two thousand and five. Um, it was only through the the community and the the team and the connection that I had with the people that saved me, right? I was out. Um, and then in 2006, when I came back around, I was in this in a very similar mind state mm. to begin with in the season. And the results, again, were the same. Shit, you know, five, duck, three, ten, horrible. And I had and something clicked. And it was when I shifted my lens from self to service that everything changed. 
in that moment in 2006 because from that moment about – from game six to the end of the season, mm. thousand runs, never hit the ball better in my life um, because my intention went from being focused on me and me and me to how can I bring this club – to a greater level that it's ever experienced, and we went from the la- you know bottom of the table to the third and the level, mm. because my focus was on the on the on others, right? Self to service, and mm. since then, since then, it's been a, it's a been an exploration of self discovery mm. through service. However, there's been moments when the the lens has shifted back. You know, what can I get out of this? Why isn't this working for me? Woe is me. Why this? Why that? And it's in those moments that. I've got to catch myself and I've got my good mentors around to to remind me that, like you said, in the giving, the service, there is the reception. You become more. You, you're able to do more. You're able to achieve more when you're giving more and giving more of your mm. best. And you can't give your best until you know who you are, what you believe in, and what you want to achieve yeah. from a deep, deep, deep level. Your deep why, your values, I think, that's number one, not understanding what your values are. And values are just words or labels on emotions that you love to feel and love to express and believe in. And I, so I, I don't want to go on too heavy about my past and my story, but you just ignited some thought process in me in there in terms of like, when did this start? When did this self-discovery, self-exploration for me start? And it was, it was in 06 that it really turned around for me. And it was just that one moment of the shift in the lens. So if, we, if you're out there and you're feeling like I was saying, you've got some uh, a desire to become more, do more, be more, but you don't know where to start, for me, what worked, and I I'm, sounds like with Ev, with his transition too, when he went to the monastery with his brother and Thich Nhat Hanh, was it was a moment of presence, of awareness to go, you know what, I'm a little selfish here. How can I turn that lev- lens from self to serve? And I think that's, yeah, that's important. We talk a lot about these skills and tools and they are individual tools, but they're also designed to to, to make you a, a better friend, right? If you're always chaotic and don't know what you're doing and why you're doing it, it's, it's going to be, you know, going to flow into all your relationships too. And that's why I've, I've also put a, a particular focus in here on those sharing activities and communication activities. There's cut out thank you cards in here as well. So you actually cut them out and there's like, you know, design things with quotes and you write them and give it to someone, as we said before, about people in your life that have done really nice things for you. So it's about like, you know, learning these tools for yourself and then going out into the community because, you know, and supporting the people around you and, and the trees and the forests and the mountains and the oceans and all those things too, right? But it's hard to to do all that when you don't really know what you're doing and why you're doing it because you're just sort of running around like a, you know, and being pushed everywhere. So, um, yeah, you're right. It's about... um. Yeah, like sometimes when we think about ourselves too much, we become a little bit too self-absorbed. And this is about, you know, yeah, having that self-examination, which is critical, but then using that to benefit our relationships. Because as we know, positive relationships is a fundamental part of our happiness and our well-being. When you look at most people's definitions of, of happiness or well-being, positive relationships are in there. So, um, you know, it's not about just doing all the introspection and nothing else. It's about doing the work, the right kind of inner work, and then supporting the people around you actioning it in the outside world totally man that's exactly what we're saying it's kind of like the inner journey was to become better for the outside Mm. journey um and it's it's not about how can i get more out of the outside journey to then feel like i'm more Mm. right um so it's not about taking it's about giving and and exploration and as i said it's all in the book um 
one of the great things I think that you mentioned too was the, the gratitude practice. And, you know, I think years ago, and I know our good mate at MAP, Cooper Chapman, big fan of the gratitude practice. But, you, you know, you were the one that introduced me to it all those years ago. And the science is out there, guys. 25% happier if you implement a gratitude practice once a week, naming five things, your happiness shoots up by 25%. That's science. And what Ev's got in this book is it's a, it's a continual practice. I do mine in my prime time every day before work. I've got a gratitude practice where I'm at least, um, you know, at least four, five, six, seven times a week, depending on, you know, how often I open up the book. It's a daily practice, which I, I've got to admit some days I miss, but I'm usually there four or five days a week. Um, in our TAP programs, the same thing. We've got, a, we've got gratitude practices that we always ignite in our accountability partner. So that's a big one. Now, do you, I want to finish off with you just on a couple of things, mental health tools, one specific, because I know that you've, you've got heaps of them. We've talked about some of the, the tools for explorations, know thyself, meaning presence. Is there something other than gratitude that you found has really supported you through that transition period all those years ago that helped cultivate a greater sense of self and mental health? Um, I think, you know, what's, um, you know, something we neglect, right? And like we're talking about, like being too focused on ourselves. And sometimes the problem is when we're, we're, we're struggling sometimes when we think too much about our own world and it can actually make things a little bit worse. So I like to do like, and throughout this book, there's good deed challenges. So there's challenges that encourage you to go and do yeah, something that's good for someone else, for the environment, for the community, whatever it is. And it gets you actually outside this bubble of always thinking about myself sometimes, you know, too much, right? And when, you know, I think um, that, that kind of thinking, right, is one of the, you know, when it's too much, when you're deep in that, you know, that, that suffering and struggle, it can, it, can, it can be challenging, you know, just to try to outthink yourself out of it. So be playful, be creative, and, 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 and as we said, you know, do something good for someone else. And I think those things are, uh, are really important when you're um, maybe a bit cluttered and, and there's a lot of noise around. So, um, yeah, throughout the book, there's all these good challenges and then encourage you to, to add more yourself. And then at the back, you write them and then say how to make you feel. So um, I think going outside to, you know, to come back inside sometimes is important. Do good, be good, feel good, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, that's huge. That's real. That's a great one. And, and it has been, again, scientifically proven that, you know, you cannot experience the same emotion, sorry, two emotions at the same time. So if you're not feeling great, it's like, what can I do to make myself feel in a more positive frame of mind and mindset? And one of those things, and the quickest way to do that is to shift the focus and to go and do something for someone else or the environment mm. or someone that you love. And all of a sudden you're experiencing a different emotion. It may not be long lasting, but in, in that present moment awareness, you can say, you know what, I was able to change and shift and progress rather than regress. Um, so that's fantastic advice in terms of do good, be good, feel good um, as, a, as a top mental health tool mm. that can support your progress uh, forward. So the last two questions I had, which is it's a 10-year question, um, which means if you could go back 10 years and, and talk to yourself, what is one thing that you would ask or ask yourself or tell yourself to let go of or hold on to? So back 10 years ago, I would have been, what, 27? Which 27. A year before I actually went to the monastery. So it was a, a pivotal time, right? Back then I was right in the heart of partying. I think I just spent Sat much return, brother. traveling through, you know, the States and South America and stuff like that. So what would I hold on to? Um, hold on to or let go? What would you, if um, you could be, you could fly into that moment at 27 and sit on your shoulder and 
you know, maybe you're in Joshua Tree and, you know, you're like, hey, dude. Yeah, I'll probably let go of that, um, um, you know, satisfying other people's ideas of what, what I should be doing or, you know, that sort of, I guess you could call it ego. Like so, so many things I did was doing it for other people. I was doing it like for competition or comparison. Like, you know, when I, when I really look back to why I was going home with this girl at this nightclub or that, a lot of the times so I could tell the boys about it, right? It was like, it was just like you become really inbuilt this kind of like sort of really unhealthy sort of competition type thing, yeah. right? And for me, it would be letting go of that, you know, that, that, that idea of competing probably, like competing in areas that are completely like you, you shouldn't be competing. There's certain areas where you compete in, but most of them we compete in things that we definitely shouldn't be. And I think, you know, you know, um, that's something I would let go. Something I hold of, hold um, onto would be. I think I always had that, um, that, um, that, there's that compassion for other people and caring about other things. And I think um, even when I was amongst all that, I really, I knew that what I was doing wasn't helpful for the people around me. So I think, um, yeah, I would let go of that. Always covering up my, you know, finding my happiness in external things. Um, always looking for entertainments and fast fixes. And I would um, probably hold on to I'm um, caring about other people and and um, you know put, finding more appropriate ways to to um, use, use my time. It's so interesting that you say that because in the moment when you're competing and you're with the, the the group of friends or whatever it might be, and like you said, in those moments it feels good. But the way you actually know whether it is good for you or from a deep place is when you're on your own, like you said before, and you reflect. How are you feeling, dude? Mm. Like, how do you feel about your actions and who you are? I don't think I ever asked myself that question. Mm. I just, as you said, I just kept reacting, mm. you know, kept reacting. If And if this is, gets to any 16, 17, 18, 22, 27, you know, we were a little bit older when we came around. But if this is a moment where you just stop this podcast and ask yourself, man, do, does the actions I take, is it making me a better human being? Do I feel great about who I am when I do these things? And if the answer is yes, keep doing it. Mm. But if yeah. the answer is no, then make a change. Yeah, and I think um, that's, yeah, that's, that's a cool thing. That's a cool exercise. Uh, think about someone you really admire or someone you really love and respect and then tell them the things you're doing. And if they respect that and you're not embarrassed by telling them, that's probably a good thing. But if you're like a little bit embarrassed to tell someone you really admire and respect what you're doing, then you'd probably be like, oh, yeah, maybe I need to change that. Right, like it's like you know, I super you might admire, say, my grandfather was a, a beautiful human being. Like if if I told him what the things I was doing, I would be embarrassed by that. Whereas now, if I'm telling the things I'm doing, I'm pretty proud and pretty stoked, and I think that's a good um, good sort of. Yeah, I think the difference in in yeah, thousand percent the difference between someone you respect and someone you're trying to impress. So. Yeah, don't mix those two up because I reflect back, and as I said, if I was 25 at the time and. The person, if I was thinking about the person I was trying to impress, would they have enjoyed the stories that I was telling them? Probably, mm. right? Wrong person. Dig deeper. Find out someone who you truly respect as a human being, someone who you respect their values, their worth, their morals, um, and then go through that beautiful exercise that Evan just offered you. That is huge. That is monumental mm. because that'll that shines the light on on who you are. And if you and, and the reflection is there, and if you like who you're looking at, like I said encourage that person to be more do more be more and if you don't like what you're looking at then you've got to make the changes and this is the moment this is the moment where you go how do i do that i know the work you've done with like the eulogy and stuff like that like looking back on your deathbed you know like 
you know, would you would you say that you, you didn't sit on the fence and you sucked the marrow out of life? And what would the people around you say about you? I think that's important to, to think about each moment, right? Like, you know, if I died today, what would what would they get up and say about me? You know, um, that's a nice little exercise and practice. That's not, yeah, yeah. Hmm. That it's funny because the 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 eulogy that Evan's talking about was a, a short film that I wrote. And it was um, it was literally about that practice of of what would people say about you um, while to you when you were in in voted commas you'd passed, but anyway the the I don't want to give away the film but ultimately it was called Awake, mm. funnily enough. <laughs> and um, I remember in that same conversation that you were you know you were like I was like I've got this film but it's kind of like the same thing we should release it anyway we didn't do that because Ev's book is just thousands and thousands of times it's amazing um and i want everyone to check it out um where can they find it if because i know it's on pre-sale i've already bought mine and, and i'm happy to buy more where can where can people find it and i'll yeah let so them know. if um if you're in australia there's um pre-sale now it should be out in four weeks which is strange but because some people i know have already got their book so booktopia which is like the biggest australian site dimix amazon au um and basically if you're in sydney there's a lot of those cool indie bookstores like glee Bodie bookstores in Newtown, um, a whole range of stores. But best online right now, go to Booktopia, go to Dimmicks, go to Amazon. And if you're in the States, um, all those big ones, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million in the UK, WH Smith, Waterstones. Um, yeah, all over the world. If you just type in Awake, Evan Sutter, you'll find, um, find you know, you can support the bookstore that you, you, you like the most. And if you can, guys, try and support the local bookstores. Um, you know, get out and buy one, hard copy when it comes out. If you have to order it online, try not to go to the big dogs. Um, if you if you can, avoid. But like I said, I'm going to give a big prop out to Booktopia because they've got right behind Ev and pick this one up and really are running it really beautifully. So that's E-V-A-N-S-U-T-T-E-R and Awake, A-W-A-K-E, on, um, on all those ones that Ev said. If you're in the UK... Just, to, uh, I guess you type it into the same place hmm. um, online. It'll come up, um, and it's, as you said, it looks beautiful. It feels great. Hmm. It's like a little companion, you know, a betterment companion and a liveness companion that you'll have with you. Um, for those of guys who just saw it on, on the on the video, fantastic. Um, is there anything left that you you want to drop us with, Ev? Or, um, mate, otherwise, thanks for your time, and it's always an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Um, no, I, I had a great time talking, and I hope. Um, all the listeners found some some things useful. Um, yeah, grab the book. Um, and uh, you know, um, yeah, it's um, yeah, we can have some fun when we're learning things, right? And being curious about life should be an ongoing adventure and exploration and an experience. And um, yeah, um, we need to find ways to enjoy our lives more, even amidst all the chaos and confusion. So, um, pleasure to join you today. Um, yeah, love the work you're doing and. Um, here to support you at any time and um, thanks for all the kind words it's beautiful preparation execution enjoyment reward in that order this is an incredible preparation tool helps you execute helps you enjoy and the reward is more happiness more meaning more purpose a beautiful life Evan Sutter thanks so much for your time brother and I'll, um, I'll talk to you soon cheers brother see you Well, thanks, Evan. What an absolute legend. Um, as I've said to Evan before, he's one of the only guys I truly let speak into my life to influence it. And I really appreciate him as a friend, as a mentor, um, as a comrade. 
uh, on this journey of life through wisdom and knowledge and skills and up-leveling and all that beautiful happiness pursuit. Um, thank you, Evan. I, uh, I really appreciate your time. I know the guests would have got a lot out of that, and I know they're excited about your book. So I'm going to put them onto it. As we said, jump online. You can get on Book Depository, Booktopia, Amazon, wherever you get your books from, and order Awake. Uh, and what you want to type in is Awake, and you can type in Evan Sutter. You'll find it there. As I said also, Evan and I, in the, in the episode, we want to give away a book. Comment on Instagram your favorite quote your favorite strategy, your favorite insight from from Evan today, put that in there. Tag Hapsley, which is at H-A-P-Z-L-Y, that's Hapsley, uh, on the map post, and you'll go directly into the draw for the book, but also you'll go directly into the draw for the fantastic prize pack from our legendary sponsors, Project Blank, Electric and Hybration Organics. Okay, guys, until next episode, I'll catch you and have a fantastic, happy couple of weeks. Lots of love. This podcast is brought to you by MAPS Talent Ascension Program, the innovative new three-tier coaching program using our online base camp app, weekly workshops, and one-to-one face-to-face coaching, including the fastest way to reduce stress and switch our limiting beliefs to unlimited, the incredible Psyche technique. The Talent Ascension Program is a game changer, and that means life-changing for those who join us because what's more life-changing than bringing a vision to fruition? If you want to achieve your dream, reach out via the website, email, or DM on Instagram at M-A-P-P underscore L-I-F-E.